What's going on, Bucks fans, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast here on YouTube and iTunes. A little bit of a tough week last week. Fared off against the Patriots on Thursday night, Raymond James. We all know how that went. We are here to talk about it today. But some good news, something that uh, shined a little bit of light on the rest of the season today. The Buccaneers placed Nick Folk on IR until further notice. We didn't really get a date. And picked up former kicker Pat Murray. We have got James Yarko from the Pewter Plank here to talk to us about it. How are you doing today? Uh, how are you doing today, James? Doing well, guys. How are you doing? Doing A-OK. And as always, we do have our co-host, my good buddy, Mr. Evan, Mr. Bucks Football, here today to get, past, uh, to get us back on the show. Sorry about that. How are you doing today, man, Evan? I'm doing just fine. How are you? I am doing A-OK. Doing a little bit better. Doing a little bit more. Uh, feeling more confident as, as we picked up some... Uh, picked up some help in the kicker position that really just has needed a, a, a major kick in the ass, no pun intended. But the Buccaneers signed Pat Murray after working out a couple of kickers. I believe the total count was four or five. Um, but, I mean, we'll just jump right into it. How are you guys feeling about this whole situation moving forward uh, for the rest of the season? We kind of have a little bit of a break, somewhat of a bye week headed into Arizona, a uh, 10-day break for the team after Thursday. How are you guys feeling? Ahead, um, okay. Uh, overall, I'm I'm still all right. I'm not I'm not losing my mind quite yet. Um, you know, this isn't quite the Bucks team that we thought we had, but you know, it, it's just it's a matter of them putting it all together. But as far as the kicking situation, I'm I'm good with it. Um, in fact, after the um, after the win against the Giants, I do a, a Monday morning pick six column, and I had named six potential replacements for. Nick Folk, I was already ready to, to give him the boot after that because I, I knew what I saw and I knew it wasn't going to get any better. And uh, Pat Murray was certainly on my on my list of guys. So I'm 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 comfortable with the move. I'm confident. You know, Pat Murray did a good job for the Bucks when he was with them before. He perfect on his extra points. Granted, that was the old extra point spot. And um, you know, he missed one from I think it was the the thirty to thirty nine range one from the 40 to 49 range and one from 50 plus and at least one of those that I remember was blocked so I'm I'm confident in the move with with Pat Murray all right Evan how are you feeling man uh yeah I mean if uh you know I've been kind of I it hasn't really been too much but I have been pounding the, the table for Pat Murray to uh, to make a return to Tampa uh for probably since the Giants game uh, because you know we didn't really see Nick Folk struggle that much in, until the Giants game. Uh, he you know, he he only missed an extra point in uh, versus, versus Chicago and made the made a fifty yard field goal, which was which was really good. And then in Minnesota, he makes all of his kicks and he, he didn't miss one. And then just out, out of the blue, uh, he comes out versus the Giants and uh, just can't really seem to get anything going. Um, and then it obviously translated over and. Uh, potentially cost the Buccaneers uh, uh, well, maybe not potentially, but definitely cost the Buccaneers a football game on Thursday night. Uh, you know, I, I I thought Pat Murray, uh, if he didn't get injured, uh, the reason he was cut, a lot of a lot of people have asked me about this. They're like, oh, well, why was he? Uh, why is everyone so happy now? Because uh, he was cut for a reason. He, he was cut because he got injured. It wasn't really because of his play. 
he was a really solid and consistent kicker. And actually, uh, he hit on 83.3% of his field goals in 2014. And, um, you know, I got this, uh, I got this stat here from, from Chris Fisher, who used to run a very good uh, Buccaneers podcast, not anymore. But uh, he said, since the Bucks moved on from Pat Murray and his 83.3% field goal percentage, Bucks kickers are averaging 64.4% field goal percentage. That's just not good enough. And he also goes on to state that uh, not a single Bucks kicker has met or been better than Pat Murray's 2014 field goal percentage. Because Connor Barth in 2015 was 82.1%. Kyle Brinza for very little of 2015 was 50%. Aguayo was 71%, and Nick Polk was 54.5%. So, um, and and also, you know, he has he has distance. Pat Murray can hit the can hit can hit the long one. Uh, Nick Folk is more of a like a precision accuracy kicker. He's not really the, the long range guy. Uh, and Pat Murray, I remember 2014 versus the Saints in New Orleans, he nailed a a, a 55 yard field goal. So. Um, that's definitely what this Bucks team needs, and you know, it. I think it could all solve itself if the Bucks just score touchdowns. But you know, um, we all know extra points aren't even a gimme anymore. And, and and just like James pointed out, you know, he was kicking on on the old when he did kick the extra points. He was kicking from from uh, the the old spot where the extra points were, and now it's a little bit more difficult. But uh, I still have confidence in Pat Murray. So uh, for me, right now, unless Pat, you know, goes out and just absolutely sucks for me right now the kicking problem has been solved temporarily and maybe even long term pat murray's a young guy and looking back at the nick folk situation we brought it up before fans had talked about it a lot of people have talked about it and it's a question going on in everyone's head nick folk wasn't cut immediately nick folk was placed on ir they believed or reports are saying that is believed to be tendis, uh, tendinitis in his plant leg but a lot of people think that's just a crock but what do you think that has in store for folk going forward do you think he's going to be a last ditch option do you think they're going to try and work with him a little more try and utilize him more in certain situations or is this the last we'll see of him until he's off ir um i think i'm not sure i'm not sure what james has to think but uh you know i think what this? I think what they're trying to do is, I think. Well, I believe the reports that Ian Rapport got. Uh, I believe that the Bucks truly think that Caro Santos is the best kicker available, and and they want him. But unfortunately, he was not going to be available for this game. So I love Pat Murray. Unfortunately, you know, on putting you know my fan hat, it's Pat Murray. My GM hat, it's uh, it's it's Santos and. Uh, you know, Murray will likely have to kick for the next two games or so, maybe even three games until Santos is ready. Uh, but once Santos gets ready, uh, I would honestly expect the Bucks to pounce on him. Um, and I, th- I think that's what they're that's what they're trying to do. However, it was a bit confusing that Nick Folk was put on IR. Uh, maybe that means that Nick Folk could return. Hopefully not. But uh, yeah, like I said, the only way I don't think Caro Santos is the Bucks kicker is if. Pat Murray just uh, kicks the lights out, uh, you know, just doesn't miss a kick and uh, it wins them some games. So I, I, I'm rooting for Pat, but uh, that's just what I think is going to happen. W- what are your thoughts, James? Uh, I really don't disagree with anything you just said. I, I firmly believe that they think that Santos is the guy. And, of course, extenuating circumstances mean 
that they have to bring in a, a kicker that they can rely on for the next two, three, maybe four games. And like you said, if, if Pat Murray's perfect and he's made all of his extra points and he's he's knocking down 40, 50-yard field goals, then they may just go ahead and stick with him. But mm-hmm. I think even just one miss could lead to them saying, all right, well, we're going to move on to Santos. He's a, a vested, proven kicker that they know that they can rely on, and it's it's finally that situation where it's not a position they have to worry about anymore. As far as Nick Folk on the IR, I didn't really understand the move all that much. Um, it's not like they're going to wait for him to be healthy and then bring him back and carry two kickers. Uh, I don't think they can really trust him at this point, and maybe it's just something that they're doing as kind of a favor to him where they can reach an injury settlement and you know, kind of thank him for his time and, and the unfortunate circumstances that way. I'm really not sure. I, I was honestly shocked that he wasn't just straight up cut. Uh, yeah. Well, and, and I think that the, the Bucks, the Bucks ultimately, just like you said, they couldn't trust them. And this game in Arizona is a pretty important game. And they, they had to, they had to get somebody that they trust to be able to, to make the kick that they need because, uh, like I, I think this game in Arizona is probably a must-win. I think it's as close to it as you're going to get this early in the season for sure. Um, yeah, that just the, it, it makes that Thursday night loss even even that much more painful. I had a Patriots fan come up to me today uh, and say, "You guys were the better team on the field. I don't understand how you didn't win, aside from your kicker not being able to make his kicks." So. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is what it is. I mean, the, the Bucks certainly didn't play a complete game, especially on the offensive side of the ball. You know, two of the three phases of the game, they did not perform well. And, um, you know, outside of defense, there was a lot left to be desired. And we are just four days out from that Thursday night game. Really not much to say about Nick Folk. The topic has been hung out to dry. I mean, there's no use in saying what everyone else already knows. The only thing really that can be said Looking at Nick Folk's performance against the Patriots, one for three, we would have won the game or been in a situation to win the game a little bit easier than it came down to. But jumping back onto the topic, and then I know you said you only had a little bit of time, so this will be the last point we touch, and then you can get on out of here. Looking at Nick Folk being placed on IR, questioning move as brought up before, in practice, and we kind of kind of mentioned it before but didn't get into too much detail do you think they're going to look to work with him directly to try and build depth at the kicker position at this point? If Pat Murray comes in and then Santos is brought in as well, uh, it'll be a little bit more. I think it would be an interesting battle for the first spot, to be honest with you. Santos, as you said, probably the better kicker between the two. But even then, if Murray is perfect and he looks A-OK, it, it creates a weird situation. But do you think they're looking for depth or if Santos is brought in, then Folk is gone? Uh, oh, go ahead. I if, if Santos is brought in, I'm pretty positive folks folks gone. Um, that that goes for Murray as well. I don't really, I don't think they can stash Murray on the practice squad. So, um, but I just think I think Santos is the real guy they're after. Uh, he's a good kicker. <laughs> I mean, he's a real good kicker. And the only reason Kansas City got rid of him was because of injury. There's just there's nothing they could have done about it. Um, so their ultimate goal, I think, Santos, and they're not going to have uh, – uh, they're definitely – if Santos is available and they think that 
he's their guy. And Pat Murray, let's say he misses two or three kicks, um, they're going to definitely sign Santos, and that would be that. There won't be any competition. Uh, like I said, but even even if even if let's say Murray would uh, make all his kicks, I I don't think I just think they stick with Murray um, because I mean you got to think something to remember. Jason Light found Pat Murray. Jason Light was the one that found Pat Murray. He out of Fordham. Nobody knew who the kid was, and the kicker was Connor Barth. And we were like, well, who's this guy? And then he beats out Connor Barth. Jason Light was the one who who originally found him. So uh, props to Jason Light, and I think. If Pat Murray makes all his kicks, I think Light will probably want to stick with his guy. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they're looking to build depth at the kicker position. I mean, if if you're going to bring in Santos, Murray and and Folk are gone. They're they're not going to carry two kickers on the roster. Uh, and really, what it all boils down to is, first of all, you know, kicker is not a position where you carry more than one. Um, you know, when you when you have a kicker go down or anything like that, you just you pick up a new one. And and the other issue is who would you get rid of in order to free up the roster spot? You know, they're they're not really in a in a position, especially right now with kind of a <clears throat> a rough start, that they can afford to to get rid of a position player. I mean, we saw we saw them get rid of, of Jacque Smith. Uh it didn't look like he was recovering the way they wanted him to, and then all of a sudden they lose Ryan Russell and, and they're you know, bringing in Lamar Houston for a workout because all of a sudden they have no depth at, at defensive end. So, using up two two positions for or, or two roster spots for for a, a position like kicker just doesn't make any sense. All right, that's all about. I mean, that's really all we got to say on the topic. Pretty good insight. I uh, appreciate you coming on to the show, Mister James. James Yarko, ladies and gentlemen, he is a writer for the Pewter Plank. And James, where can the people reach you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I run the Pewter Plank Twitter account, and that's at the Pewter Plank. And then you can also find me on my personal account at jyarko underscore bucks. All of our stuff at thepewterplank.com and uh, the Walking the Plank podcast. It drops every Wednesday. All righty, man. Thank you very much for coming on to the show and talking with us for a little bit. Hope you have a good rest of your night. All right. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Pleasure to do it. No problem at all, man. Have a good night. You too. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to be what we talk about for the kicking situation. Let's move on and do a little post game. We really didn't have the chance to do it together. Evan, you were feeling under the weather. You feeling any better now, man? Yeah, I'm feeling a bit better now. So, uh, yeah, I should be all right to go. All righty. My phone had actually uh, blended in with my desk because I I record with the lights off sometimes. Rarely, but... Sometimes, and I was looking for my notes, and I couldn't find my damn phone. It was sitting on my desk two feet from my face. Finally found it. Let's jump into this pregame, guys. We are talking the Patriots game on Thursday night. Lots to talk about. Lots that people have already talked about, but we're going to jump on it here and really just tackle this from all sides. But before we jump into pregame, something that needs to be mentioned, something that needs to be discussed, something that has been talked about, but I've only heard it talked about once before, we need to talk about the Buccaneers' Fairweather fan base. I got to say, the Buccaneers have never have never had a bad fan base. You can't say the Bucs have a bad fan base. There are plenty of great people in the Buccaneers' fan base. The guys over at What the Buck, the Buccaholics, people nationwide. Uh, even you look at the stick carriers, something about improving the community is sweeping through and making the Bucs Nation a better place. 
But we gotta talk about we gotta talk about just the fans so far this season. And and like I said, I'm not talking about all the fans. There are plenty of great people. Everyone who listens to this show, I can guarantee you, is great people. But let's talk about the people that leave when the Buccaneers lose one game in humiliating fashion and barely lose another game. The Fairweather fans who like to put that loss entirely on Jameis, the people who give up halfway through the game because at halftime the Buccaneers are trailing by a touchdown. The people who are not here for the long haul. And it's, again, it's hard to categorize those people simply because it's easy it's easy to love a winner. Uh, Derek, old school Fournier at What the Buck said it best, and I am going to quote him a little bit here. Uh, he, he said it best. It's easy to love a winner. When you've got a team like the Buccaneers who have given you, quote, shitty football for the better part of a decade, it's easy to understand why people get a little nervous in times of times of crisis. The Buccaneers are 2-2. Two and two. The Buccaneers lost a close game. The Buccaneers missed a lot of opportunities. But it's hard to stomach, and it's hard to promote a better atmosphere even even the littlest things. It's. I'm not going to say it's got to stop because I've got no control over those people. But as a Bucks fan, guys, you just got to realize it's all about this team. We're almost there. We're almost there. It's like a bad car ride. It's like a bad road trip. You just want to get out of the car, but you can't because once you get there, it'll be worth it. Just have some faith in the team is what I'm trying to say. People, people flip, flip the script way too quickly and then come back. And once the team doesn't give them what they expect right off the bat, it, it makes it bad for the rest of us. But I'm not talking bad about anyone who listens to the show. If you listen to the show and you're a Bucks fan, I'm sure you know exactly who and what I am talking about. Evan, I, I mean, I think you know what I'm talking about as well. There's a couple of people on your Instagram, I notice. At, at least one post. Uh, at least once a post, man, in the comments section. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, when just like you said there's always going to be those fans um just because and i mean really it's because of the buccaneers past um them losing uh you know and honestly it's because of all the hype this team had uh you know everybody's picking this team to go to the playoffs everybody's saying oh my god the weapons this that the defense has improved this and that and the defense the defense the offense james winston hard knocks all this stuff and that hype builds up to huge expectations and when they lose a game, people will think they're going 16-0. Right. And and then they're like, oh, my God, this team sucks. What are we doing? Here goes another top five pick. Yeah, I, so, yeah, I know what you mean. But, um, you know, when th- those people those people have to realize, you know, two things. One, it, it's, a, it's a 16 it's a 16-game season, right? You know, it's not it's not one game. It's not you're you're not one and done. This isn't the playoffs. And and two, this is the NFL. Nothing's easy. Uh, you know, I don't I don't care uh, who you play. Uh, you know, two and two. The Bucks are two and two. The Patriots and were the Bucks, two and two just a week ago. Yeah, and you know, I don't see Patriots fans. Okay, yeah, maybe maybe they're 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 a bit uh, maybe they're they're a bit they're a bit upset, maybe they're a bit disappointed. I don't see them saying, "Oh my God, we're not even going to make the playoffs now." No Patriots fans are saying that, 
And, you know, partly because, like I said, the Buccaneers have been losing and the Patriots obviously have been winning. But um, that and that's part of it. Uh, once the Buccaneers start consistently winning, those fans will go away and they'll be like, okay, one loss, I know we can rebound. But, I mean, Bucks fans have seen this a ton. The, the team goes to a loss and then another loss and then another loss and then next thing you know, the season's over. Um, so, you know, I understand it. I don't like it. I understand it. Um, but I think that you should support your team no matter what. But, you know, like I said, there's always going to be those fans. They're, they're, they're not going to go away. So it's either, you know, some are there for the long haul, some are there for the right now and the hype. Um, you know, some are there because they like the uniform, some are there because they like the logo, um, whatever. They're not there because they actually care about the team. Um, you know, and those are the same people, you know, that that'll sit here and complain, but yet they won't buy a ticket and see the team or they won't try to get, try to get invested into the, into the team and, and listen to podcasts just like this one uh, and multiple other good ones to try and see information on what went wrong and, and why it's not the end of the world. Um, and then that's just, I don't want to say uh, uneducated, but it's just, they're just not, they're not, I mean, they're sort of fair weather fans, but I mean, they've had to put up with a lot. So, yeah. um, once the Bucks start winning, we'll have to deal with bandwagon fans, and that'll be even worse. So, yeah, and and you hit the nail right on the head. Uh, this team is under a microscope. The Buccaneers are under a microscope. People bought into the hype in Tampa, utilizing all the weapons in the draft, utilizing all the weapons in free agency, looking to come out and start strong against two bad teams in a row. The Buccaneers could be 2-0. As we know, the Dolphins game was taken up out of the way. But there was a lot of hype. People bought into it. So this team is under a microscope. Everyone on the planet, everyone in Tampa who cares about Tampa football is up their ass. All we're saying yeah. at this point, all I'm trying to say at this point is, guys, if we are focused on making making the Bucks nation, uh, changing the culture if you see someone acting like that, if you see someone at a game or you see someone at the bar, you're watching the game, just act that way. Don't don't get mad. Don't get upset. Just look at them and say, hey, man, just don't act like Relax. that. Relax. 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 Uh, it's all about restoring faith in the collective Bucks Nation. But that's really all we wanted to say. Uh, Derek, old school Fournier, as I said before, also hit the nail right on the head over at the What the Buck podcast. Not the last episode, but the episode before last where he talked about the Vikings game. Started that off with about a 10-minute rant. I mean, I, he couldn't have said it better. If I could have played the audio, which I probably could have. Uh, if I could have played the audio, I would have, but it's also a little bit of a big chunk of audio. But let's talk about this Thursday night game. Let's jump right into it. We will talk about the offense first because the defense, it, it's going to be a hot topic. It's going to be... It's going to be a crab bag, but let's talk about the offense first. First thing we'll talk about, the star of the offense, Jameis Winston. Jameis has got to find a rhythm. Jameis has got to find consistency. It's been hurt. It's been talked about before. Jameis has got to fix the deep ball. But hear me out. Jameis is so close yet so far, but hear me out. Looking at that game, I saw Jameis throw zero, inter- uh, zero interceptions. Inner touchdowns. I I saw Jameis throw zero interceptions. I saw him throw a touchdown to Cam Brate that basically bounced off of his chest. 
and a rushing touchdown, basically a rushing touchdown that was called back because of a penalty. It's hard to put this game all on him. People can agree that Jameis only played a quarter and a half, maybe two quarters of good football, but it's hard to put it all on him. Not everybody has good nights, but Jameis played just enough where we could have won the game from his end. Let me throw some numbers at you really quick, and then I'll toss it over to you, Evan, because I know you're chomping at the bit, man. Let me throw some numbers at you really quick, and we will talk about how important this kicking game is, something we brought up before. Let me see if I can find the pictures. Okay, so on the night, the New England Patriots had 402 total yards. The Buccaneers finished with 409. Pretty much tied at time of possession. The Patriots, 30 minutes. The Bucs, 29. 26 first downs by the Buccaneers, as opposed to the New England Patriots, 23 touchdowns. Two touchdowns on the night by the Buccaneers. One touchdown on the night by the New England Patriots. Zero turnovers by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and two turnovers by the New England Patriots. We do know that the defense did their job for the most part. So it's hard to look at this game with the numbers that Jameis put up. He's got to fix his accuracy. He's got to find rhythm. But Jameis did not lose us this football game. Um, yeah, didn't win it for him either, though. Uh, you know, uh, I think they... He played okay. Yeah, he, he really did. Um, but at the, at, at the end of the day, he just didn't make enough plays to uh, to, to win. Uh, you know, um, it, it, it is a shame because he, he played a great fourth quarter. Uh, he definitely did. But ultimately, just wasn't enough. And, you know, uh, I'm still waiting. A lot of Bucks fans are still waiting, and I'm sure you're still waiting. I mean, you, you, you have to admit this. It, it, it's time for James Winston to, to make that play uh, when when there's three seconds left. Um, you know, uh, it, 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 it's time. And I was to make that play. Watching that last drive, I was in Wing House. The only thing I could think of was Josh Freeman making that same drive. Uh, I believe it was a New Orleans game. It was one of the first Bucks games that I remember taking time out of my day to watch when I was younger. Uh, it was 2010. 2010-2011, I was on the back porch, man. James, uh, Josh Freeman against uh, New Orleans threw a last-second touchdown, and I lost my mind. And that was just racing through my head that whole drive. I was holding my breath. But you're right. It is it is, it is time for Jameis to make that jump, to make that play into elite status. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. And, uh, you know, it's it, it was going to take time. We knew that, but... Um... You know, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. Uh, I think he'll be alright. So uh, you know, I think he'll be just fine. But you know, he, he does got to start making them plays too to win the game, just like Aaron Rodgers. Um, oh my God! Just like just like Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, those uh, th- those plays in in that game and that uh, in that um, that Cowboys game like yesterday. Real good, uh, really good. Um, he uh, he won the game for him, and he knew he was going to win the game. And that's the mentality that Winston has to have. But first, his accuracy needs to improve. Um, he didn't lose the game for him single-handedly. Uh, that was it was Nick Folk, and it was Jameis' slow start. If Jameis, uh, they got an interception on the opening drive, which I'll talk about later. I thought the defense did a tremendous job, and uh, I got to get out of here in about fifteen minutes or so. But um, you know. They, they got a pick on the first drive, and, you know, the offense was supposed to capitalize. They got to capitalize on that. That has to be – that score has to be 7 nothing. 
Right. That has to be seven nothing. Bucks had to lead once. Seven three. Okay. Imagine if they scored a touchdown on that first drive on that opening drive. So then it's seven three. That's fourteen three. And then not ten seven. It's fourteen ten. It changes the whole game. And you know, Cam Brake dropping the ball did hurt. Uh, Doug Martin dropped two. They should have caught that hurt. But uh, you know, Jameth needs to be better. Nick Holton needs to make his field goals. That's the end of the story for me on offense and special teams. That's pretty much it. Uh, except for Doug Martin going back strong. Um, I wasn't really going to hit on that much. But, uh, yeah, Doug Martin came back strong, which will help will help Winston uh, for sure, especially with the turnovers like you mentioned. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Doug Martin coming back was huge for the team. He really came out, showed signs early, picked up a couple of 10-plus yard gains. I believe his longest run on the night was at 16 yards. Uh, was what he finished with. Uh, otherwise, just an awesome night for Doug Martin. Two touchdowns, technically. One was called back, so he did jump over the goal line. Had a touchdown. It was a great, great night for Doug Martin. Hopefully showing signs. Really just got to get back in the groove and figure out how this O-line plays again. But great having him back. It's really going to help us headed into Arizona. Now, something I did want to touch on and a couple of points I wanted to make on offense really quick. Adam Humphreys looked great. I think this is the Adam Humphreys game that we were – Waiting to see. Obviously, he didn't have a blockbuster night, but he did come up big when the team needed him. A couple of crucial catches and a couple of great plays shaking people left and right. Ended up wide open throughout the night. And when Jameis was on his ball, I got to say, Adam Humphreys was one of his best receivers, if not the best of the night, against the Patriots. Now, flipping over to the other side, uh, not defense just yet, but offense. Looking to... Got to utilize O.J. Howard and Deshaun Jackson just a little bit more. We did see Deshaun Jackson blow up and really make his first impact play as a Buccaneer other than the touchdown against Minnesota. Uh, But need to utilize O.J. Howard and Deshaun Jackson as well. O.J. Howard had two holding penalties, I believe, in one drive in the first half. Was it in one drive or not one drive? Yep. Yeah. One drive. And, and and after that, uh, we really didn't see too, too much of O.J. Howard throughout the rest of the game. Not to say that it was a disciplinary thing. I think he was just kind of a little bit out of the playbook for the rest of the night, at least setting the tempo for the second half. But the guys come up big before, and we did see some highlights of him against uh, the Patriots. Not too, too many, as I said before. He does need to be utilized a little bit more. But Deshaun Jackson, we've already seen what he can do. It, you know, it it really speaks for itself. He get he, excuse me. He got the ball, picked up a fifty yard gain down the field, and really helped Jameis out on that last drive of the game. And the guy just needs to be utilized more. It's already been made clear his frustrations with Jameis and how things are going. Those guys really got to get things figured out. But when it comes down to the offense. Just need to pick up on those few things. Lots of penalties as well, unfortunately. Penalties did hold us back, especially for both teams. I believe the Patriots did give up over 100 yards on penalties uh, for the night. But any last thoughts on offense before we jump over to the defense here? No, not really. Uh, I thought yeah, Deshaun Jackson, that one uh, 41-yard uh, catch, and, catch and run was uh, really nice, and uh, that really showed his speed. So, uh you know, I think they're, they're, they're starting to figure out how to use them. So uh, let, let's hope they, they keep it up. Let's hope they keep it up and get the momentum going into Arizona, which is always a tricky game. We've talked about that before. Having to adjust to the time zone, having to adjust with the different weather conditions. It's a lot drier. I believe it's still pretty hot out there. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. The Buccaneers 
should have a good go of it in Arizona as we move forward out of this break. Now let's talk about the defense. Not going to talk anymore about Nick Folk. Pretty much speaks for itself. Uh, not much to say that you guys don't already know, and we already punched it in with Pat Murray moving forward. Let's talk about the defense. First half looked awesome. Pass rush was on fire. Two sacks, a pick, and plenty of hurries, as well as another sack in the second half. Three sacks on the night against Tom Brady, and a strip sack on top of that uh, for that third sack of the night. Really set the tone and a really good night for the defense overall. Pass rush showed up exactly how they needed to. Uh, yeah, I thought the pass rush, I mean, you can never have too much pass rush, in my opinion. Uh, you know. Needs you, more, you, uh, needs more, ca- know, uh, needs more cowbell on top of it. Yeah, you know, get to the quarterback every play. But, uh, you know, I uh, thought for the circumstances, I thought the pass rush did very well. I thought McCoy played good. I thought Chris Baker had a good game. Uh, you know, he made some, made a good play on a run, made a good play on the screen, too. I saw a uh, big boy hustling down there. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He, he moved so, quick, uh, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. All those yeah, hot dogs. I, I, yeah, I thought. Uh, I thought he. I thought he played good. Um, I thought uh, Quint McDonald. I thought was the best defensive lineman uh, out. Uh, definitely out there. Uh, actually, I'm going to take that back. I'm going to say Robert Ayers was. Robert Ayers was awesome. Robert Ayers uh, blew up. Uh, I think that was probably his best game as a Buck. Uh, maybe, maybe the Giants game week before. He's been having two straight good weeks. The only problem is. He just can't get sacked the quarterback, and, and and that's what they need. Um, you know, they they hosted Lamar Houston today. Uh, doesn't sound like he's gonna sign because there he's on his way to Houston to uh, meet with the Houston Texans. He worked out for the Bucks today, um, and maybe because he maybe he's fully not healthy, he's coming off his second ACL surgery. That's that's two ACL ACL surgeries. Um, two, uh, you know, uh, that that's two. Two. ACL. Dose. One of the most important injuries that, you know, this thing that hampered Jaquiz Smith. ACL. Two injuries. Two surgeries. And, you know, um, he was productive, but, uh, you know, he's also getting up there in age. So, I, yeah, I could see why the Bucks maybe. And maybe he wanted a bit more than they were looking to give him. That's always a possibility. But, um, you know, Packers did okay. Uh, good way to create turnovers. Uh, Darius Glanton got in there on a nice blitz hit. Knocked Brady out. Uh, got that. Got that uh, fumble. Uh, Justin Evans. Justin Evans played a heck of a game. Uh, future's bright with him, I believe. I think uh, that was just a preview. I really like Justin Evans. Just need to work on his tackling, but overall he didn't do bad tackling. Um, now one more thing that I did want to point out, just to wrap up the defensive side of, of my thoughts, and then I'll give you uh, my like overall view of the game and, and what to expect for next week. Um, uh, before what? you before you do next week, there was uh, one more point I wanted to touch on defense. It'll be quick. I know we got to get you out of here soon. All right, yeah, that's fine. Uh, like I just uh, last week when we did the Patriots preview, and you can go back and check this rep because I I remember I said it, but if you don't if you don't believe me or you don't remember, um, you I, I trust you. I trust you. I, I said that the Buccaneers would win if they got two sacks on Brady, forced two turnovers. They got three sacks on Brady, and they did force two turnovers. Jameis Winston protected the ball. Jameis Winston threw no interceptions. And I said that the Bucks would, I guaranteed that the Bucks would win. Now you're saying, oh, well, they didn't, so your guarantee was wrong. No. no it's the kicking the game. Fact, the other factor I said, I said Nick Folk makes every single one of his kicks. What would have happened if he made every single one of his kicks? I would have been right. 
Ladies and gentlemen, you're looking at the future right here in Mr. Buck's football. <laughs> the guy's got a crystal ball. That's what it is. So can you tell me wild card appearance this year? Ten and six? Ten wins. Ten wins at least. Can you tell me ten wins this year? Um, and we'll hold you to it. We'll hold you to it. Week 16, we'll come back and we'll talk about this. I'll play this exact audio clip. I will hunt it down and find it, and we'll talk about it. It's in episode nine. I'll tell you what. Deshaun Jackson's first deep ball touchdown, like deep ball touchdown this week. That, like 60-plus yards. I'm going to say 50-plus, not 60. Okay, all right. 50-plus yards this week. I'm going to write that down really quick. Hang on. Let me get let me get my notes here. We'll scribble this down. All right, 50-plus yards against Arizona for Deshaun Jackson, his first deep ball touchdown as a Buccaneer, Evan October 9th, 2017, at 8.43 p.m. Looks good, my man. All right, so we'll hold you to it. Something I wanted to talk about on the defense really quick before we wrap things up here. The defense, when playing coverage, has to. I capitalized has to on my notes. Defense, when playing coverage, has to come down on the play. Not just Vernon Hargraves. Not just Vernon Hargraves. Too much playing five yards out. Too much being late to the play. Too much of the safeties missing the tackle because they can't come down fast enough. It causes too many chunk gains. There was a drive where the defense looked really tired. And Brady, I believe, threw for three in a row 15-plus yard passes. And it ended up setting a scoring drive uh, for the Pats. I don't remember if it was a touchdown or a field goal. But Brady made it look pretty easy once the defense got worn out. And no tackles were made. Chris Hogan a couple of times was wide open because the safety in the middle just couldn't come down. But, I mean, how are you feeling? We we talked about Vernon Hargraves being Mr. Five-Yard Cushion. He's not the only one guilty of it. I, and actually, uh, my article on What the Buck, you'll actually see that. Uh, should be out tomorrow, sometime tomorrow. So, if you read that, you'll, you'll be able... You'll be able to see uh, my reference to that and uh, just some thoughts on that. But, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think they, they got to stop. The thing with Vernon is Brent Grimes isn't doing it because Brent Grimes is confident enough. He, he knows that what, what he's capable of. He knows he, he can just, catch the play. Oh, he, yeah, he, and he's that good um, that, that he can. Uh, Vernon is, is scared to death to be beat, beat on deep ball. So, that's why he's given them guys that he got beat on the deep ball once once in, in the Minnesota game. And he actually played okay um, in the Chicago game, but he got beat on the deep ball in the first drive, like the second play in, in the Minnesota game. And ever since then, he's been scared to death. And it's just, it's going to happen. You, but you have to go out and do what you do best, and that's make a play on the ball. He's not... He's not a run support kind of guy. He's not the guy that's going to always make the tackle. That's not like Rondé Barber. He was a ball hawk, but like Vernon Hargraves is known. Brent Grimes and Vernon Hargraves are like ball hawks. Like that's what they do. That's that's what a Mike Smith defense cornerback should be. Um, they're not going to be a tackle specialist that they, they can tackle great. Um, and, and, that, and that's part of the reason the, the safeties really. The safeties are ball hawks. Their whole secondary is filled with ball hawks. Um, it's just guys that can see the ball, locate it, get it. That, that's what their thing is. And right now, Vernon's just not doing that. Brent Grimes is. He's doing it at a high level. And, you know, 
Um, I saw on, the, on a, uh, a mic'd up clip, Eli Manning was mic'd up uh, against the Bucks on a couple weeks ago, and he he said attack twenty eight every time. That's exactly what he said, and they're good. That's what do you think Carson Palmer and Arizona's plan is? Oh yeah, put, you watch the film. That's easy to capitalize on. Those no, guys are paying attention. They're gonna say okay, so let's say we have a drive that lasts about eight plays. We'll throw the ball probably about five times. I want four of them going right to twenty-eight. That—that's what they're gonna say because Brent Grimes—he doesn't—he doesn't shut the field down. He's not a shutdown corner, but he's good enough to where he can—he can hold Fitzgerald. Um, he can—he can hold Fitzgerald. It's just I'm just worried about the other—the other—the uh, other corner. So that—that'll uh, that, be big. And then I mean, pass rush helps it. Just saying. Yeah, pass rush for sure. Hopefully comes up big against Arizona. Uh, I wasn't able to really look at the at the stats like we were against the Patriots just because we were playing the Patriots, to be honest with you. Wasn't able to look at it, so not sure how their offense scales. Not a bad Ooh, offense, though. What's their up? offensive line isn't good. Um, you know, the Bucks were, were not playing on Thursday. I'm, of course, I'm located near Philly, so I have to watch the Eagles versus the Cardinals game. I think they gave up about probably four or five sacks. Um, Palmer had no time to throw it on, therefore it threw off the receivers. Um, their defense, Carson went through all over them. Four touchdowns, one pick. Uh, the deep ball was alive and well in Philadelphia for the for the Eagles, and that's why I think Deshaun Jackson is going to get one. All righty, looking to come in strong against Arizona. As you said, pass rush needs to set the tone, needs to make this a hard game for Carson Palmer, as they did against Tom Brady. I don't know what it is. Maybe they're just good against old guys. I know Eli is, you know, kind of up there on that list as well. But, you know, Tom Brady, the oldest active quarterback in the league right now, I do believe. Um, They went out and decimated him. Carson Palmer, who I honestly feel like is even older than Tom Brady, but I think he's about six years younger, which kind of sucks because he's going to be around for a long time. But just an old old man offense. Yeah. no, no discredit to uh, no discredit to the Cardinals' offense. Larry Fitzgerald is still a monster and shows it week in and week out. The guy is a freak of an athlete, but he's old. <laughs> These guys are old, uh, looking to put some pressure on Carson Palmer, looking to rock him a few times. And I would like to see. You talked about the deep ball. I would like to see Vernon Hargraves get a pick this week. I, I want to see him do well so bad. Uh, it- it's it's kind of like every year when the NFL hypes up uh, St. or not St. Louis. It's like every year when the NFL hypes up Los Angeles, the Rams, or they hype up the Jaguars. It's pretty much like everyone on the planet, except for the Jaguars, wants them to be good. I'm not saying Vernon Hargraves doesn't want to be good. I'm just saying I would like to see him do good. The kid's got a lot of hype behind him. He's got a lot of talent. He's just got to learn how to conquer that fear of being uh, beat on the deep ball. But looking forward, we will talk a little bit more about Arizona when we record later this week. I'm not sure about you. I I mean, I guess we'll talk about it right here, right now. If you guys are listening and you are listening on YouTube, comment below. Uh, Evan, I was going to talk to you about it. Maybe we could talk about it a little bit more after the show. How do you feel about two shows a week? Um, I'm not saying two shows back-to-back. I'm just saying, like, one show on Monday to post-game and then another show to pre-game. Maybe shows on Sundays and Wednesdays or something Something like that. Something we can figure out. Um, not Wednesdays, Thursdays. Um, just something we'll figure out. Because I know I only have a couple of days off a week from work. And to put out as much content as I would like to, man, 
It'll make the people happy, and we have been finishing on iTunes with a little bit of space at the end of the month, probably to squeeze one more episode in. How, how are you feeling on that? Uh, I think we can make it work. I'll, I'll talk to you a little bit more after the show about the potential schedule. We'll talk off the record where you guys can't hear it. Yes, yeah, so we can talk to stuff. all you guys. <laughs> also, guys, uh, I brought it up before. We'll bring it up one more time before we get out of here. We'll let you guys get out of here as well. Derek Fournier, Mr. Old School over at What the Buck. Go check out their podcast. Uh, we did have him on the show one time before, episode four. He talked about What the Buck, if you are not familiar. And we talked about just a really in-depth conversation about the fans. Go check out episode four and go check out his episode. I forgot what he named it, but it was where he talked about the Vikings. It's quality shit, I promise. Uh, but Mr. Old School, Derek Fournier over at What the Buck. Go check him out, guys. And that's just about going to do it for this week's episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. We just wrapped up episode 9. Let me get everything together. Let me get my bearings. Uh, The next episode is going to be the big 1-0. Expect that later this week. If you are listening on iTunes, please remember to review. Also, big ups to everybody who left a review. If you guys follow us on Instagram at Cannon Fire Podcast, we did make a post that said to leave a review on the show. Every single person left a five-star review. So now we are certified five stars on iTunes. Thank you guys so much. That kicks ass. It means the world as we can get the word out about the show. And any notoriety is good notoriety. So thank you guys so much for supporting the show, following on us Instagram, subscribing on YouTube, and subscribing on iTunes. Just wanted to say thank you guys so much. Also, we hit 75 subscribers on YouTube. We also hit 100 followers on Instagram. So let's keep it coming, and let's keep this big pewter red train a-rollin'. As we look forward at Arizona and episode 10. Evan, any last words, man, before we get out of here? None at all, man. Uh, we got some, I got some plans for, uh, for, some, for some future guests. Uh, we are able to have James on here. You'll probably hear some more, James. Um, you know, we, uh, we have a couple more in mind, so uh, definitely going to be looking to get them on soon. We have, a, we have a surprise guest that I think once I say this, I think Brett will be able to tell who it is. I think, um, honestly, I think we were thinking the same exact thing at the same exact time. So if you say what I think you're going to say, uh, then I'm probably going to freak out a little bit. Because, like I said, you have a crystal ball. Well, let, well, let me see real quick. What were you going to say? I was thinking the commish. I was going to say possibly we could have uh, the commish himself on the show sometime soon. And if you guys know the commish, uh, then you are good people. The, the thing I was going to say was I wasn't going to say his name, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, I, was gonna, I was gonna say no, no, no. It was him, uh, but um, I was just gonna say something to get the fans hyped up, you know. Oh yeah, they had him on. Uh, funny story, really quick. Uh, and if you guys know who you're talk, if you guys know who we're talking about, then that's awesome for you. If you don't know who we're talking about, um, we are gonna let you not know who we're talking about, just for the element of surprise. We got to keep some people not in the loop. But actually, against Chicago, when I was at that game with my girlfriend. Um, we were sitting up, and it was right before the defense came onto the field. He has a video feature at Raymond James. So every once in a while, it's a video of him at minicamp, and he's like, let's go! Yeah! He's getting all people hyped up. Get on your feet! It's exactly what we know him for, man. It, it was it was pretty cool to see. And we've uh, we've talked to him. You, you, you talked to him at the game, and he seems interested in coming on. So oh, yeah. I'd be able to make that happen. Oh, yeah, guys. It's going to be... Great stuff in the future sometime soon. Also, guys, on Instagram, uh, request some songs for the intro of the show. Today we did use Curve by Gucci Mane featuring The Weeknd. We used the instrumental because obviously couldn't 
exactly uh, play all the words on that song. But, you know, going to be using the instrumental versions just so we don't get any copyright from these. But leave some, uh, leave some suggestions, leave some requests for the intro song. And that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you guys so much for watching. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you later on in the week. We'll let you get out of here. Signing off for Evan, I am Rhett. Have a great rest of your week. Remember that Atlanta led by 25, and go Bucks. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save.